We'd first like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, the land on which this podcast is being produced. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and those emerging, acknowledge their spiritual connection to the country. Welcome to the Swanston Explainer. I'm Akira Bhagawanta. Today we are going to dive into the lack of education surrounding consent among Australian youth, especially those with a disability. The need for better consent education in schools saw the government launch a new online resource for staff and students. The Good Society website contains more than 350 videos and teaching materials to help kids understand sex, consent and respectful relationships. I'm here with our reporter, Sarah Lilly. Hi, Kira. Hi. So, Sarah, why is it important to educate people with disabilities on sexual education? Sex education in schools has obviously been a part of the curriculum for decades now. It's very important to students' lives, as it helps develop a positive and consensual mindset to sex and relationships. Yeah, especially at that age where kids experience so much confusion as they navigate puberty. But clearly, something's being missed here. We constantly hear of the need to reevaluate boys' education in issues of consent, but not in the disability sector. And yeah, that discussion is working to combat the prevalence of domestic violence. A national conversation about consent um, amongst young women. And it's not just the adults who are concerned about this. Frustration and anger among school-aged children reached fever pitch when a former Sydney private school student started an online petition for female students to share their stories of sexual abuse. It surpassed 16,000 signatures and more than 2,000 testimonies. It began with a poll on Instagram. Chanel Contos is 22. The words of my initial Instagram poll were, have you or has anyone close to you ever been sexually assaulted by someone who went to... And all boys I think we learned it too late and I don't think it's inclusive enough. Um, if I think it's so outdated, our curriculum, absolutely nothing gets addressed about, um, you know, queer sex ed. Um, nothing gets addressed about the factors that contribute to sexual coercion. So sexual coercion is when you feel the societal pressures is what makes you do something rather than like a physical pressure. And that's where a lot of these like, blurred lines of rape testimonies come from because the boys think the boys are taught that no means no only so if the girl doesn't say no they think that means yes but in reality there's a lot of other factors that mean no it's like body language um emotional state things like that our sex education doesn't cater for like mutual pleasure and sexual experiences it you know, it perpetuates this idea that um, men always want sex and you should always be protecting yourself from these predators. I started the petition essentially because I didn't want what happened to me and my friends to happen to younger generations. While this is such a powerful move by Contos and her peers, there is another issue we've got to hone in on. Current education programs rarely or do not account for people with disability. It's very much overlooked among the demographic. That is true. I hadn't really considered that within this debate. 18% of all people in Australia have a disability. That's 4.4 million people, which is not a small number to say the least. Right. So what exactly are the problems here? 
The first one is these specific issues encountered by people with disabilities surrounding sex are not covered by general sex ed programs. There are limitations on the types of contraception they can use if they've got a physical disability. People with intellectual disabilities may need more help understanding these concepts. When the other kids had sex education, I had to go somewhere else. Other kids got to learn about birth control and condoms and how to be parents and all anyone ever told me was don't have sex. My parents had a big discussion about sex with my sister who doesn't have a disability, but when I was growing up, nobody said anything to me. There are a lot of myths of sexuality and people with disabilities. Some people feel people with disabilities aren't sexual and that we don't need sex education at all. This has to be addressed. The second issue is that there are harmful stigmas and misconceptions about people with disabilities, like not needing sex or not being able to have real sex, which are simply not true. Mm, right. Having a physical or intellectual disability doesn't change sexuality or the desire and emotions to express it. There is a staggering statistic that 90% of women with an intellectual disability have been sexually abused. And a quarter of reported rapes against women in Victoria are against women with disability. Right, so basically sex education better equips people and protects them with knowledge about consent and establishes clear boundaries to what is or isn't okay in a sexual relationship. Exactly. The fact that sexual abuse is higher among people with disabilities makes it even more important that sex education is understandable through their perspectives and experiences. And is sex education mandatory for children? No. And people forget that people who live with disabilities do have sexual lifestyles. Removing this learning opportunity is dangerous and has long-term consequences. Right. And can you tell me a bit about those long-term problems? These include unsafe sex practices, which can lead to STIs or unwanted pregnancies, a lack of understanding of what a healthy sexual relationship actually looks like, which leads to higher rates of abuse in relationships. Even just the basic understanding of penis and vagina hygiene is so important, and yet people with disabilities are being deprived of this very vital information. Are there programs around the world addressing this, though? Yeah, there's actually a program called Ready to Shine. It's ran by health professionals and volunteers in Portsmouth. The sex education classes for people with learning disabilities are being run by a community company in Portsmouth. A lot of people think sex education is just talking about sex. We start right down to what different body parts are called. People um, who are in their 30s that don't know the difference between male or female mm -hmm. or do not know why they menstruate each month. It's just they, they put a pad on, that's what they do. When you look at a generic school playground, the conversations that children have around who snogged who and who fancies who, and you learn the social norms along the path of what happens and in what order. When you look at specialist schools, those conversations don't happen on the school playground. There's much less social opportunities. People go around each other's house having sleepovers and talking about the boys or the girls that they fancy. And so the social side of it is missing. Jessie is a disability support worker in the inner north of Melbourne and I asked her about the consequences for her clients when they aren't properly educated. My name is Jessie Hammond and my role is a disability support worker. So I think that the lack of sexual education for those with disabilities, it creates a space where they can become more unsafe. It creates 
you know, a lack of understanding on their behalf of what a safe consenting sexual relationship should be, what it should look like. And I think it can create a space where there's more likelihood of abuse, violence, and, you know, unconsensual sexual relationships, especially, you know, it's for anyone. It's not only disabled people or clients. It's it's about, in general, teaching people what those healthy and safe, you know, sexual relationships actually are, and it's vital for everyone. You take someone that's not aware of what's happening around them and what's happening in their body, their desires, their wants, their pleasures. Without the proper education, I think it can be misconceived as well to be having non-consensual sex, maybe a sexual partner taking things a bit too heavy, like, I mean, like, you know, being quite forceful and violent. And if someone's not aware that that's can be inappropriate if that's not what they want, or what they, you know, desire or what gives them pleasure. I think it can be a really tricky situation because it can lead to people just putting up with things that, you know, they don't want. If you don't have a safe space to talk about that with peers, teachers, educators, your parents, you know, you may, you know, just go out there unprotected, you know, get an STD, pregnancy, It seems as if the education department doesn't see the value of having a proper model in place for disabled people. The Victorian education system is just scared. They don't know what they're doing and they're not listening to, you know, those that are working in the disability field. Not only do we need to listen, we need to provide adequate support. I think that overall society deems those that are disabled or have a disability that they're not sexual, like they don't have a high sex drive, they're not engaging in sex, they're not engaging in those risk-taking behaviours and actions, which I think is just being ignorant. I think, you know, thinking that their parents or their caregivers is just going to give them a little spiel of, you know, birds and bees, like we all got, but that didn't work for anyone. It doesn't work for anyone. And I think maybe Vic Education Department's scared of, the fact that each person with a disability is so different and having to put that hard work into choosing like the categories of when do we implement this like sex education, like which grade? Because it's something that's completely uncharted. So what I'm getting here is that programs need to be specifically catered to the person who is receiving the education. The government doesn't know how to implement it into schools as there is no insight into how to properly educate people. But this doesn't mean it shouldn't be done, right? Yeah, totally. I think most people agree that it's less to do with age, but more to do with intellectual maturity for children. But good guidelines would probably be around puberty because that can also cover the changes that happen with their body. Back in the UK, there are calls for more education for the educators too to both better prepare them for assisting the community, but also to combat fear of covering what they may feel are taboo issues. And the team here now wants specialist training to be available to more young people. Fear, I think, comes into a lot of um, people's development in terms of actually, can I talk about that? Am I allowed to talk about that? Am I seen to be encouraging people to have sexual relationships? And actually, what we know with people with learning disabilities, especially if they're adults, they have to make those choices for themselves, but they need that education there to begin with in order to do that. It seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Where do we go from here? There's a duty of care here. I reckon that the sooner steps are implemented to make sex education mandatory, 
the better quality of life these individuals will ultimately have. It's given him the confidence, as Thomas has just said, about um, asking a young lady out called Anna. Yes. And Thomas's dream ultimately would be to um, live independently. Yes. Um, with his with a girlfriend. Yes. This has been Akira Ogawanta and Sara Lily for the Swanson Explainer. We'd also like to thank our producers, Jacqueline Stanley. Hi. And Amy Ross. Hi. 